All right. Uh, welcome, listeners, to another Woo-hoo. edition of News from the Drug Warfront. <laughs> Hello, Jeffrey. Hi, Marion. Welcome back, darling. Good to have you back. Why am I not getting volume levels from you? Are you sure you're on number one? I am on number one, my dear. Huh. so. Is it not on? Is that better? Uh, I hope it's coming through. I just am not getting any levels on the on the microphone um, on the panel. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, it does seem odd. Maybe, maybe try your microphone too. Okay, do that. Okay, have a go at that one. Is that better? Whoops. Well, I can hear me through my. Yeah, look, that's just a shame that it's working. Anyway, uh, welcome, listeners, to. Uh, Self off. <laughs> ah, that's better. Okay, that's better. Yeah, sorry about that. Been out of action for a couple of weeks um, on a that's holiday down yeah. the south coast. So <laughs> you need to get uh, back right. into action. Yep. Um, it's nice to be back, Marion. Nice Hello, to see Jeffrey. you. It's lovely to see you back again. Yeah. Um, okay, look, just some of the ideas of the uh, stories we're going to discuss today. Um, everyone would be aware of the recent uh, Australian of the Year, Grace Tame, and uh, her sterling strength of character and work. Oh, look, in. she's a wonderful woman and really I just can't help wanting to kick a few people in the butt for their rude comments about her that really totally, totally unrequired, you yeah, know, and completely intentional and have won no, no support for themselves by having a go at her. Most women are so supportive. She's a really good woman, Grace Tame, and I really feel very emotionally attached to what she's saying. Everyone, I think, or a lot of women, have a lot of stuff in their background that relates to what she's been through, and I am really hate to hear what people say about her for no reason other than to try and undermine or to blacken her character in some way. Look, I might go to song, Mary, and see if I can sort Do out that. this. Do that. You're uh, not getting I'm just not getting any uh, levels for a microphone other than mine. So let's go to a song. This is Edwin Starr. Jack, we can hear you on all... Can You can be heard? Pete and Jack are saying we can hear you on all, all right. mics. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for the feedback Thanks, Pete. Thanks, um, Jack. It's just disconcerting when you um, see something different on the panel yeah. than what you're used to. But um, if you're coming through loud and clear, well, sounds we will like it. continue. Will we go straight to the uh, introduction? Yeah, do some intro, my darling. Yep. All right. Um, for those who haven't heard the show before, news from the Drug War Front is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. Karma is a peer-based, community-controlled drug use organisation with over two decades um, serving the ACT. Uh, the aim of the show is to report on news and also uh, for Marion and I and guests to discuss the harms caused by the prohibition of certain drugs that began on a global scale, certainly in modern times, uh, when we ratified the 1961 United Nations Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs. Sadly, these global policies remain largely unchanged. Um, and we would like to acknowledge the efforts of peers and activists who have contributed to the struggle against the war on people who use drugs. And uh, we'd be very pleased if people who listen um, maybe had a think about uh, the whole prohibition story. Absolutely. Raise it wherever you are. Bring it up. Think about it. Talk to people about it. Get some information from people you know about how they feel about the current, current status of illicit drugs. We know a lot of our listeners 
already on our side, but there may be new people or their friends. Go and talk to your friends about it, people who may not have thought about it or people who have thought about it and have been listening to the propaganda that we've been... Yeah, yeah. ..and people who have been, you know, have been hearing the propaganda for the 60 years, 70 years that we've been around. Well, it's been so relentless, Marion. It's been non-stop. Yeah. Every time something positive comes out, there's a big wave of, you know, from the general media, not from the, you know, the social media. Obviously, that's where personal responses come through. But from the newspapers as a rule, Mm -hmm. although we had the post from Canberra Weekly, which sort of can point us in another direction, but we often get with current operating um, police commissioners, right? As they're standing in their position, they will slam a change in the laws and yet when they leave that position, they will say, well, really, the current drug laws aren't working. Well, how many former police commissioners have said that? Well, every time, it seems to me, every time. Anyway, Jeffrey, let me get on to my bit, maybe, and then we'll go... Into to the a grace song, times. I think, after oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Karma, for those people who haven't heard about it, provides a wide range of services such as client advocacy, peer treatment support, education, creative arts, mentoring and referrals. And sometimes introduction to radio, as we have some people in the training course at the moment through the lovely X training and why time. don't we give a shout out to Two Double X? Why don't we? Because they're fabulous. Yeah, it's such an important voice. Actually, um, there's a sur- national survey going on from the Community Broadcasting Federation, just trying to get feedback about people's involvement with community radio. So I sort of filled that out on you and I. On you know, yeah. If you go to Two Double X's um, website and say that, have a look at yeah. it, and fill fill in the survey, and what public radio means to you, and how it can be useful because we find you would not hear this radio show anywhere else but public radio. Exactly. Yeah, no. so we're very grateful for 2 X for we hosting We are indeed. Us. And if you have a spare dollar or two, think That's of... That's right. Think about um, supporting it. Yeah. Think about put, chucking some money into it um, or becoming a member yep. of 2 Yep, there's a new website that's just gone... Um, yeah, active. Absolutely. So uh, check that out, 2 X. Yep, um, 98.3. FM, People yeah. Powered Radio. Okay, so anyway, the services um, like Connection and Karma, uh, which is Canberra, Connection is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients, are both located at the Church's Centre in Belconnen, Shop 17, Level 154, Benjamin Way. The drop-in centre is open again and the hours are 10am to 4pm, Monday to Friday. The office phone number is 6253-3643. Jeffrey, are we still asking people to preferably ring for yes. an appointment because yep. there's limited space up there for personal interaction? Look, people so can prob- come to the office but we tend to... Better to with- ring and make an appointment and maybe meet somewhere... Off-site. And we so can still do naloxone deliveries. And, absolutely. Um, you know, there's still... The services are still... And they'll still be doing training courses, but it's just a matter of there's limited space at the office if you want a use of the services, like 
opioid maintenance treatment with sort of methadone, buprenorphine, and more active, more recently the long-acting injectable forms of buprenorphine, bubidal, and sublocade. It's funny you mention that. Um, it's not funny because it's on the list of things yeah. that we talk about every <laughs> week. But having just gone away for two weeks and actually been able to get a um, script for the tablet form, uh, Fisaptone, yeah. um, it just reiterated in my mind the absurdity of that not being scheduled for opiate maintenance treatment, you know, it's available for... Jeffrey, we used to have fisceptine tablets at the beginning, like way back. Is that right? Yeah, what was one of the first available um, substitutions that wasn't available through the Alcohol and Drug Service by private doctors who either had children who were involved with drugs themselves or had a sympathy for people with heroin problems or with opioid maintenance opioid problems, okay? Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, way back when I first started using, Fisectine was available. From my personal experience, um, it seems to be a more effective medication or version. It's the same drug, it's just in tablet form. You can titrate the dose a lot more personally, you know. You can manage it yourself. Manage it yourself. Um, it's certainly more convenient than having to find another pharmacy if you're travelling and, you know, plan ahead as you move up the coast well, or whatever. You know, like it used to be that more more pharmacies would actually have the tablets too rather than the be, you know, have to have a special little place for people to dose out the methadone from where people were clearly coming in to be dosed with their opioid maintenance oh, treatment. Very right? interesting. So, but it may be, and I don't know, it just may be that it's part of, uh, uh, maybe it's part of the scheduling and yeah. the availability of drugs where you have to get in every five days a new prescription. You know, it's actually, a, not in, rather than being opioid maintenance, it's actually pain a, relief, a yeah. pain relief yeah. matter. Yeah. That could be an issue. And anyway. Fortunately, that also extends to, sorry to go on no, about no, this, but right, extends love. to cost as well. You know, yes. if you're getting your yeah. regular, you know, uh, daily dose of liquid form, yep. it's $15 a week in the ACT. I know it's more expensive in a lot of other jurisdictions, but, you know, because um, of work. And a $6.80 prescription or a $5.20 prescription, depending upon where you go, um, maybe whether you've got to pick it up every five days might be a whole different kettle of fish. Well, yeah, sa- how they cost it. The sad thing with Fisaptone is it's because it's not scheduled for APIP maintenance treatment, ah. it is not covered by the subsidised okay. financial scheme. So you'd have to ACT. pay a fortune for it. Yeah, and as it happened in my own case, without going on into too many personal details, it ended up being some minor hiccup in the in the script. That's um, what you're here for, darling, your personal <laughs> stuff. Don't worry about it. So I had to pay for two separate lots um, to cover the, oh, the, right. the full okay. time that I was away, which caused me unnecessary angst and stress that yeah. I was going to have enough so for your two weeks, you had to make sure that you... So it's about don't manipulate your dose too much, don't... And well, and that was one of the problems originally, was that people were um, upping their dose a bit more and manipulating the, their dose themselves rather than taking what the doctor said was a reasonable amount to well, use. Well, there's always this obsession with those sort of issues and um, my counter to that is um, why is somebody going to muck around with their own... Well-being, you know, like it's just absolutely it makes no well, sense. If you're going to yes, if you've got two weeks worth, you've got two weeks, two weeks worth. worth. That's yeah. it. You're not going to ruin your it. time away, which was you know very restful. Yep. With um creating you know unnecessary angst, and you don't have to keep on popping down the chemist every morning and. You know, when you're away exactly. at a place where nobody knows you, yes. staying with family, yeah. you don't have to be identified as your brother, you know, your 
your sister's brother yeah. who is on methadone. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and so you're immediately a, tarnished with that's um, right. all that it's, goes with it gives, that. Yeah, it gives anyway. you, the family a whole, you know, image issue. Yeah. Anyway, but look, everyone I just suffers finished this thing issues. with karma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the treatment for hep C is still available. The impact of stigma and discrimination, which we were just talking about, Jeffrey, and, yep. you know, we're... When you were away down at uh, the coast, how that would have impacted your family. Um, the availability of detox and rehab services, so referrals for people who actually want to give up. But, in fact, the st- you know, the service is set up as a peer-run service. For yes. People who are currently using drugs, we're not there to tell you to give up. But if you want to, we can tell you where to go to get the help that you require, yeah. the kind of help you're asking for and advocate on your behalf so that you can get it if it's available. Which is really important. Absolutely. But in fact, it's all issues faced by people adversely impacted by prohibition and the war on people who use drugs. And there are many issues. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, look, just uh, quickly, the contents of this news from the Drug Warfront broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views and or policies of the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and does not promote illegal activity. Karma recognises drug use happens and focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. Karma seeks to reduce the harms associated with drug use as well as the harms associated with the criminalisation of drug use through the provision of empowering programs that concentrate on community development, person-centred holistic health care and equity of health service delivery for all people. Indeed. Which is all we're asking for, just that, to be treated like anyone else. It's, yeah, wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be nice? Yep. Yeah. Okay, um, we'll play Evan Star's War, an oldie but a goodie. An absolute goodie. Yeah, it's an absolute classic. Okay. Evan Star and uh, his classic War. It's 11 minutes to 11. You're listening to News from Drug War Front. We've got a first story about uh, Grace Tame. Yes, uh, yep. And this is for me to start, which is good. Top Doctor. Uh, demands Grace Tain speak out against drugs after her bong photos surfaced. But others say it's time to legalise pot. And this is by Charlotte Carp Carp and Olivia Day from the Daily Mail Australia, February the 17th. And this is pretty typical of what we would expect to come out. But maybe there's a bit of balance in it. A top doctor has urged former Australian of the Year Grace Tame to speak out against drugs after she was pictured with a giant bonk for crying out loud. The now-deleted Instagram photo from 2014 showed the then 19-year-old sitting on a couch and smiling with a very large marijuana smoking apparatus perched at her feet, although there was no suggestion she smoked it. On Tuesday morning, prominent child psychologist Dr Michael Carr-Gregg said the now 27-year-old should consider using her celebrity status to send a really strong message to young people about cannabis. Quote, I think she's done a lot of really good work and I think she's admired by her generation. And this photo is all very disturbing, but I would love her to come out now with an anti-drug message, Dr Carr Greg told Radio 3AW host Neil Mitchell. Well, I don't. He goes on to say, I think it's for some people, it could normalise, glamorise and potentially sanitise the use of marijuana and it's not, obviously, the intention of Grace Time. This is somebody else's stuff, obviously, anyway. He said an anti-drug message could be particularly powerful to other victims of sexual, physical and emotional abuse. 
Ms Tame was awarded Australian of the Year for 2021 for leading a campaign for a legal change that allowed sexual abuse survivors to speak out. She was groomed and molested by her maths teacher when she was just 15. Shortly after the, phys- the physiologist's comments, I think that psychologist's comments it should be, Ms Tame repost- reposted the photo to Twitter on the caption, all right, I confess we were doing a cover of April Sun in Cuba on the oboe. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Grace. The caption was a tongue-in-cheek <laughs> reference to the famous dragon song after Prime Minister Scott Morrison played a ukulele rendition of the 1977 hit during a bizarre pre-election interview on 60 Minutes. And I don't know if anybody else has seen the um, the one that's... the tw- <laughs> the Parody, yeah. Of the <clears throat> it's a classic. And the attractive... Um, Overdubbing of Scott Morrison's voice, which doesn't say April Sun no. in Cuba at all. No. It's a da, 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 I'm a thumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a much funnier version. Anyway, so that was on 60 Minutes. Yeah, it was a bizarre pre election interview on 60 Minutes. Indeed, it was bizarre. The picture has sparked debate, which is good, I think, with many saying the photo showed just how commonplace marijuana was and that its prohibition should be overturned. Richard Dennis, a chief economist in the Australian at the Australian Institute, took to Twitter to share his two cents on the worth on the contentious cannabis debate. Quote, the lack of photos of me smoking bongs at 20 is due only to the high cost of film photography in 1990 <laughs> rather than any shortage of bongs in my life back then, he tweeted on Monday night. Good on him. Quote, while I think it's private photos should stay private, thanks, Tame Punk, for leading our debate again. Let's, uh, let's legalise it. <clears throat> Hashtag Ozpol. Many other Twitter users agree with the economist over his calls to make cannabis legal. Good one, Richard, at and at Tone Punk. I love it on so many levels. We're all human with or without photos to prove it, she said. That's a really good point. It is. Absolutely. Enormous waste of taxpayer resources goes into attempted control through criminal justice system. Great for tax income. Colorado earned four hundred and thirty-two million dollars in last in the last year. Another agreed. Yeah, the financial possibilities. Absolutely. Are are there, uh, well, you know, if America has shown us anything, it's how much can be made made out of making it legal, yeah. rather than how much has to be consumed on keeping it illegal. Yeah, yeah? money to be saved as well from Indeed. not incarcerating and prosecuting. Yeah. In recent years, calls have grown for cannabis to be legalised in Australia in a move that would follow Canada, a suite of of European countries and 18 states in the US, including Colorado, Washington, DC, New York and California. A 2019 National Drug Strategy Household Survey revealed a significant minority, over 40% of Australians, believe cannabis should be legalised for personal use. 40% is a high amount. That's not too bad. That compared uh, with the 2013 survey when only 25.5% of citizens backed the move. The number of people who said that they had used cannabis at some point in their lives has seen an increase from 33.5% in 20, uh, 2001 to 38.1% in 2019. In Australia, laws related to cannabis vary significantly across states and territories. 
In South Australia, possession of small amounts is subject to fines but is not a criminal offence, so similar to parking fines. Whilst in the ACT, possession and cultivation of limited amounts is effectively legal. I think it's two plants in the backyard. Two plants, backyard. Yep. yeah. Elsewhere, possession and cultivation is normally treated with warnings and diversion into drug counselling programs, but repeated infractions and large amounts can still carry jail terms. In the, in the legalisation of the drug in 2018, Canada has banned advertising, enforced plain packaging, regulated the display of ingredients and limited the number of stores that can sell cannabis. The minimum age of purchase is 19, except in two provinces where 18-year-olds are permitted. Many high-profile personalities were quick to signal their support for Grace Tame when the photo went viral last Monday. Comedian Will Anderson was amongst the most outspoken supporters and he posted an old photo of himself pictured with a bong as online debate raged. Quote, it's hard, but I forgive Grace, he joked in a follow-up tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Anderson echoed the support by many others by sharing their tweets, including Australian musician Ben Lee. Quote, she just keeps on getting better, the four-time ARIA award singing... Uh, a singer and songwriter wrote, The project host, Peter Hellier, joked that the picture could even get Miss Tame a second nomination for Australian <laughs> of the Year. Good on him. The massive wave of support from Miss Tame extended to the world of politics. Quote, putting out photos of the much-respected former Australian of the Year as a youth is beyond pathetic, said the, um, Darcy Byrne, Mayor of Sydney's Inner West Council. Grace Tame's manners are fine. It's the politicians who are scraping the bottom of the barrel that need to learn about respect. Absolutely. But not everyone jumped to Miss Tame's defence. This is... Um, we're quoting. I'm reading an article, not me. This is not me. Good grief, this person was Australian of the Year. We need, <laughs> we need to take a long, hard look at how she was selected and who selected her. I'll read it, commented online. Another read it, quote, excellent response by the PM's wife. Grace is really losing her message in her behaviour. The crying out loud. Miss Tame has consistently been in the news headlines over the past week after delivering a rousing speech at the National Press Club and throwing her now famous side eye at the Prime Minister while greeting him and his wife in Canberra. I actually thought it was a perfectly appropriate way for her to respond I to his behaviour. Totally appropriate. Miss Tame was seen giving Mr Morrison a less than friendly handshake with a scowl on her face before throwing him an icy sideways glance. Well, he lied for crying out loud. Uh, Of the awkward moment, the PM's wife Jenny said in a 60 Minutes interview, this is the same 60 Minutes interview I might add that they where he did his April Sun in Cuba play on the ukulele, I just found a little bit disappointing because we were welcoming her in our home. Good heavens. I just wish the focus had been on all the incredible people coming in. I think I respect people that want to change things, stand up for their beliefs and are strong, but I still think there are manners and respect. And I actually think you really should show a few manners about having guests in your home. They cannot be standing there smiling at your will Mm. for 60 minutes or for two hours or however long the party lasts for so that the Prime Minister can have his 15 seconds on the appropriate photo to be posted. I mean, people have got social media these days, they will take a photo at their leisure. Yeah. Not when you want them to. No. 
Grace is a good woman and I love her message and I have no problems with the fact that when she was 19 somebody put a bong in front of her face and then they took a photo of it. Well, isn't that interesting that it's led to a debate? Absolutely. And isn't that what we call for every week? We call for that every week. Raise Um, the issue. Let's talk about it. It's it's long overdue and as you said, we followed the US on so many uh, issues. Yeah, why um, are we not following them on cannabis? Yeah. And we're certainly talking about, look, the cannabis use in Australia, that reminds me just, oh, hang on, we're going to go to the news in a minute, but roughly in 2016, for people, for, uh, people aged 14 years or older in Australia, there were great numbers of people who thought cannabis, you know, 35% had used it in their lifetime, 10.4% used cannabis in the last 12 months, 18.7 years was the average age people first tried it, 21% had the opportunity to use cannabis in the previous 12 months, 22% of people in their 20s had recently used cannabis. Among the recent cannabis users aged 14 or older in 2016, 34 years was the average age of recent cannabis users and 14.4% use cannabis every day. Yeah, no, it's okay, high time. that was from the National Drug Survey. We'll go National to the Health news Survey. and we will return. Yep, bye. All right, welcome back, listeners, to this week's news from the drug war front. You're on 2XX, People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM. And I thought we'd uh, look at a piece um, from the Canberra Weekly uh, where the current... Um, Commissioner of the Australian Federal Police, Reese uh, Kershaw is his name, has uh, told the Senate Estimates Committee this week that to decriminalise illicit drugs would make for a far more dangerous environment for police. Um, this is by Nick Fuller. Decriminalising illicit drugs, as Labor backbencher Michael Patterson wants to do in the ACT, would be, quote, a far more dangerous environment to police. Australian Federal Police Commissioner Rhys Kershaw told the Senate Estimates Committee this week. People get into ice rages and all sorts of things, Kershaw said, addressing the Legal and Constitutional Affairs Legislation Committee last Monday. It would become a more dangerous society and it wouldn't be as safe as what we're enjoying today. For me, it would lead to chaos. Hmm, it's interesting. I'm not sure that we have a overwhelmingly safe situation now, but anyway, be that as it may. Mr Pedersen has a bill before the ACT Legislative Assembly to amend uh, drug laws in the ACT. It would decriminalise possession of small amounts of hard drugs. Those caught in possession would pay a fine and be referred to a medical professional rather than facing a two-year prison sentence. Drug use should be treated as a health issue, not a criminal one, Mr Pedersen believes. And I certainly endorsed uh, that perspective. Uh, his bill has been supported by the Alcohol, Tobacco and Other Drugs Association, ATODA, which is the peak body for our sector here in the ACT, uh, Uniting, the New South Wales and ACT uh, Senate, uh, Directions Health Services, the Australian National University Drug Research Network, and also the Canberra Alliance for Minimisation and Advocacy. But Commissioner Kershaw said, quote, the evidence is not stacking up that decriminalisation necessarily leads to less crime. Illicit drugs facilitated and enabled other crimes, he argued. Drugs were, quote, a causal factor of domestic violence and were involved more and more in traffic accidents where people lose their lives. Well, I'd certainly say um, alcohol as a drug is uh, a causal factor uh, in uh, domestic violence and other uh, acts of uh, violence and intimidation. He goes on to say assaults, serious assaults, murder, 
money laundering, the list goes on of all the different criminal activities that, that are associated with drug crime. Well, what about the actual circumstances um, where we have a black market that puts profit as the number one uh, motivation and uh, doesn't really care about the um, harm reduction settings or making it safer or um, any of the um, balancing uh, policies that harm reduction or harm minimisation represent. Commissioner Kershaw went on to say he was concerned about the rise of heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine and ecstasy in police seizures. These are all very destructive narcotics that often lead to a life of crime for, those, for a lot of these individuals, he said. Heroin, quote, unfortunately drives people to do incredible things, criminal things, to pay for the cost of these drugs. That unfortunately drives an entire marketplace where, again, a lot of criminality occurs. Ice, Commissioner Kershaw said, was a very addictive drug that is very destructive to society. Lots of violent crimes are committed by people who take methamphetamine. It takes seven years on average for a user not to be addicted. And he's quoted as saying, most of the time it's a tale of destruction, criminality and woe and misery for these individuals. Countries that had decriminalised illicit drugs were changing their policies, Commissioner Kershaw said. Quote, as police, we've seen that that hasn't worked as effectively as argued. It can have unforeseen consequences. The Netherlands' soft drug policy led to, quote, narco-tourism, a lot of organised crime set up and headquartered in Amsterdam. Portugal, quote, had crime issues attached to it as well. Mr Pedersen said he greatly respected Commissioner Kershaw, but encouraged him to consider the views of his predecessor, former Australian Federal Police Commissioner Mick Palmer, who strongly supports decriminalisation. Now, the next sub subheading is Zed Seselja, a damning blow. Senator for the ACT, Zed Seselja, a staunch opponent of decriminalisation, called Commissioner Kershaw's remarks a damning blow to proponents of the extreme Greens plan to decriminalise illicit drugs. Reckless proposals to decriminalise hard drugs disregard the safety of um, Canberrans going about their day-to-day -day lives, Senator Seselja said. There is no such thing as personal use of hard drugs. Uh, That's interesting. What? No, That's such, what? no such thing as personal use of hard drugs. It is an extreme position that looks set to become law in the ACT as in the Labor-Greens alliance and at a federal level the Greens have the same policy and the same intention to see hard drugs decriminalised right across the country. Where are you up to, though? Uh, top of page four, Pedersen, fear-mongering doesn't work. OK, Mr Pedersen dismissed Senator Seselja's remarks as conservative scare tactics and rubbish by the sound of it. Quote, Canberrans have engaged in this debate constructively since I first released a draft of the Drugs of Dependence Personal Use Amendment Bill, he said. Thanks fearfully, fear-mongering and scare, uh, scare campaigns don't work in Canberra, which the Canberra Liberals should know by now. In fact, the Canberra Liberals do know that, uh, which is why Cicelja has gone up to the, sen the Federal Senate and no longer the head of the local Liberal Party or the opposition, as they are. Quote, Senator Seselja is insistent that sending Canberrans to jail for possession, possessing small quantities of drugs for their personal use is the right thing to do. I completely disagree. This is um, Michael Peterson speaking. 
I believe the best way to reduce the harms that drugs cause in our community is to provide appropriate health diversions and resources to those in need. Senator Zelda, he goes on, is rightly nervous about the upcoming federal election. I would advise him not to remind Canberrans of how conservative and out of touch he is if he'd like to retain his seat. The Greens said that decriminalisation would reduce harm. The ACT Greens were committed to supporting evidence-based policy to reduce harm from drugs on individuals and the broader community, said Jonathan Davis, ACT Greens MLA for Brenda Bella and ACT Greens spokesperson for drug harm reduction. Quote, the ACT Legislative Assembly spent almost a year engaged in deep conversation with police, the legal profession and the alcohol and other drug sector to identify ways, to identify ways that we could reduce harm. The overwhelming consensus from experts who work with those impacted by drugs each and every day, I would take it that means us as well, was to remove them to a model, was to move to a model of decriminalisation. So it goes on to say, I understand and empathise with the temptation to keep doing what we've always done, but the reality is what we've always done hasn't been working. We need a new approach, informed by evidence from other jurisdictions if we're serious about reducing the harm from drugs on individuals and in the community yeah. and on the community too, I would suggest. Absolutely. I mean, isn't the definition of insanity continuing the same policy and expecting a different outcome? Yes, <laughs> something like that, we're, yes. We're given prohibition a long, a long try. Um, oh, what is it, 60 years now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 60 years since... 61 years, since actually, the to, since the convention. beginning of the single yeah. convention and yeah. then uh, 10 years after that when Nixon decided the war on drugs should be declared. Public enemy number one. Yeah. 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 Had, and he had the guns to back it up with. Yeah, it's just... Uh, it's really frustrating. I actually think this is one of the toughest social issues to try and um, fight, Um Prohibition, isn't it? You know, there's so we much. We seem to be continually <coughs> arguing with people who are coming at it from a position that they cannot explain. That, you know, how can you justify 61 years of activity that has done nothing but cost more and more money every year and with no improvement in outcome? Well, more and more. New drugs and not more the and more people um, in custody, and more and more people, you know, increasing the numbers of users and different drugs that have been produced by just changing the construction of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, changing the pathology is just crazy. Yeah, and um, we keep on going and still expect something different to happen. Yeah, will we go to a song? Let's do that. Okay, this is uh, Rodriguez, and uh, I think I've picked Inner City Blues. Anyway. Just before you do that, yeah? Jeffrey, can I say, sure. I forgot to do a call out, shout out to Mary, and I think we should probably shout out to Damo too, because he was also texted in, and shout out to Jack and Pete as well, of course, because they're, you know, constant listeners and they will help us in 
whatever we need to know. As it does was nice Dave. to know you were so, going, yeah, going so to air. Thank so. you to all three of you yeah. for being constant listeners. Yeah, and thanks to all our listeners. Yeah, and it's, thanks um, to all our listeners, whether you give us feedback or not. The, generally, the people who give us feedback are the ones that know our our own private numbers and we do that on purpose because otherwise we'd probably be inundated yeah. with with the social media and we can't be on the radio and answer texts at well, the same time. we're definitely looking to try and expand uh, feedback for people and even, look, even ideas about, you know, uh, oh, competition, what's your favourite drug song or... Constantly asking people to, uh, to you know, submit ideas yeah. and come into the Karma page, yeah, the website yep. and suggest ideas for the... Yeah, so we so want your feedback. We just can't afford to do it personally on air. That's all I'm suggesting. Yeah. And Not that we don't want to know. Successful programs like the Women's Story, I mean, Stories, that was a very powerful... A- absolutely. Went um, well, very well, didn't it? ...program yeah. which, you know, gave a perspective from... Um, um, female drug users, which often doesn't get uh, highlighted, absolutely, or yeah, overlooked. Um, and uh, the other thing that I like about Grace Time is that the pre, um, the pre maternal women of you know of our um, mm. our society now are not heard from. Yes, unless it's women with children, they are the ones that are often targeted for action. Mm. Before you have a child, you're almost not counted as a societal functionary. You know, you're not part of being the citizenry. And so, you know, that's why I applaud Grace Holmes so highly. She has come at, at her age, you know, now she's 27, so she was 26 very young Australian of the year and going to do what young people do. Mm. The fact that she doesn't have a baby doesn't stop her from being a woman nonetheless. No. And should be able to be counted. I admire her and what she says. And I think that she ought to be applauded, not spat upon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah? And I think... In the, um, the way that people attend to her. Men inevitably do that. You know, Jeffrey, I'll always accept you. You know, don't ever suspect that you are anything but somebody who supports women's issues. But I am really so sick of hearing what men have to say about women who speak their mind. Mm. Inevitably, that's what you will get from the mainstream media. Um, Very often, we will get good articles that are written by women, but then somebody who responds to the article, inevitably a male, will say how un, how ill-advised it is or how ungraceful mm. it is or how unfeminine it yeah. is. And you just think, well, if a man said that, what would they say to that? Well, there'd be no how similar they response. That? They no. wouldn't respond like that. No. Fancy a woman speaking her mind mm. and fancy it being the opposite to what, you know, a man says or something that he didn't agree with. It suddenly becomes... You know, women can't help themselves. They're emotional beings. They have to say stuff like that. Well, no, it isn't just like that. It's because crap happens Mm. during everybody's lives. And if women are the ones that come out and speak about it, then so be it. But don't let it be up to only women Mm. to speak about it because there are plenty of men that have the same kinds of issues in their background, but they express it as depression. And they're allowed, now they're allowed to be depressed. 
but they're not allowed to say why they got depressed in the mm. first place. I think that that's a really difficult position to be in. I really admire the people who come out and actually talk about the way they were, you know, particularly men who were, you know, interfered with by priests in their, oh, you know, younger years. I just to... think that's so difficult to do, mm. yeah? yeah? Anyway. No, look, I, I endorse... I'm ravaging on about no, no, something no, that probably what... everyone agrees endorse um, what what you said about Grace. I think she's a powerful, strong young woman who's shown enormous um, poise and intellect and strength against, you know, a lot of cheap shots and negative media, mainstream media coverage. And um, this bong photo, I mean, one, why was it published? It's not relevant. But, Absolutely. But and why, you know, why has it suddenly become a point of a focus of discussion, let alone the fact that you know, she looked, she frowned at the Prime Minister. Really? How important is that? I How many people didn't shake his hand when he went down eventually to see what was happening yeah. with the fires? Yeah, plenty. I saw people who just wouldn't shake his hand. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, I really cannot um, support the kinds of responses that we've been getting, you know, from largely men and mainstream media saying Grace Tane is, you know, unfeminine or not conducting herself in an adult way and it's yeah. just ludicrous. And now unfit don't to be Australian of the Year. Oh, yes. Don't take it, Grace. Don't take it. We think you're a fabulous Australian of the Year. Yeah, here, here. All right, uh, this is uh, Rodriguez and uh, Inner City Blues. All right, that was Rodriguez and uh, Inner City Blues. Uh, welcome back to this week's news from the drug war front. My name is Jeff. My co-presenter is Marion. And uh, it's brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Advocacy on 2XX. 98.3 FM. That's right, people-powered radio. We're going to uh, take a, um, um, an article, that's the word, from the Herald Sun uh, from Melbourne today. Uh, the news from Victoria pushed back on radical bid to decriminalise illicit drugs. Illicit drugs could be decriminalised in Victoria under a radical push to curb deaths. However, Treasurer Tim Pallas has said the government would not vote in favour of the move. Okay, the reason party leader Fiona Patton, who used to be from Canberra, might add, now is down in Melbourne doing fabulous doing things. Doing fantastic work. Yep. Um, Fiona Patton's bold new bid to decriminalise illegal drugs in Victoria appears to be dead in the water. I bet it ain't, but... Treasurer Tim Pallas on Friday morning said the state government would not vote in favour of Miss Patton's push. Mr Pallas said alternative pathways, which followed a harm prevention model, were already in place. Quote, the government has no plans at the moment to change the approach that we had, he said. I think the fundamental proposition coming out of the proposition that Miss Patton is advocating for is that you have alternative pathways other than the pathways through the criminal system. Uh, he goes on, our view is that uh, those alternative pathways are already available, but it's important that the state have a capacity to effectively be able to recognise and not send confusing messages to the community that the use of illegal drugs is injurious to not only the individuals but the whole community. Oh, really? Now, that's a, uh, that's a really broad-brush 
to draw, start to draw, but when you're talking about particularly marijuana... Yeah, generalisation um, springs to mind. they're already making it legally available under prescription because yes. it's really quite useful. And most of the drugs that we're talking about, at the moment anyway, the ones that are highlighted have a, a pharmaceutical use. Indeed. And people are getting worried about the, the illegal availability of the ones that have a pharmaceutical or a therapeutic use. I mean, always raised with heroin, use. the fact that it was given to women in labour. Yes, You know, if yes. it's that or dangerous, how would that work? Women know? that woke up with premenstrual tension or had a presentiment, as it was called oh, in yeah. the old days. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, if you yeah. read the old... The old um, Romantic novels. Yes. They would inevitably wake up with the presentiment, right. which meant that they had, they felt like their period was coming yeah. up. But you can't talk about periods no. in old fashioned books. Well, anyway, so not the whole community. Right. It creates an economy. This is, he goes on to say, it creates an economy for, cri- for criminal activity. And certainly from the government's point of view, we have no plans to change the existing system. Mr Pallas said current diversion programs weren't designed to push people into the criminal system for the purpose of records. Well, what are they designed to do? Yeah. I mean, a lot of them don't I, I actually... I actually think... So who's he... At, what, what question is he answering with that for the purpose of records? Do you mean it's not just for funding? Because that's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's a way of being seen to do something yeah, without, without doing anything. upsetting the existing order. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's about making sure they don't get on the vicious cycle of addiction and greater harm, he oh, added. Okay. Yeah. It comes as the planning minister, Richard Wynne, also noted it still had plans to build the second safe injecting room in the central business district, which seems to keep getting put back and yeah, delayed. Back and back. And yeah. While former Police Commissioner Ken Lay is yet to hand down his report, Mr Wynne said work was still continuing. Illicit drugs would be decriminalised in Victoria under a bill set to go before the Parliament next week. Under the radical proposal, people believed to have used or possessed a drug of dependence would be issued a mandatory notice by Victoria Police and referred to drug education or treatment. Compliance with a notice would lead to a finding of no guilt and no recorded criminal outcome. The bill will be introduced by the leader of the Reason Party, Fiona Patton, and she's just passed the um, decriminalisation of sex work, I believe. I read Julie Bates put in oh, a post um, congratulating everyone Fiona, involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the years of hard work. Um, oh, absolutely. Such a lot put of effort put into that. Yeah, and Fiona's been on that since the beginning because time. that was the sex party. When she started that off in Canberra, she and, and her um, partner at the time. It was the sex party. It was the sex party that they started off with. And it was really interesting because um, they, I can't remember his name and that will probably, uh, it'll kill me forever because as soon as we get off the show I'll remember it'll come his to you. name. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the sad things of getting and older, isn't it? And they did, when they were working for the sex party, when they were running the sex party, they did a review of, because Canberra was the uh, centre of pornographic, well, not pornographic, but, you know, the sex X-rated video. X-rated stuff, video. Yeah. In brown paper bags. Yeah, in brown paper bags. But they did a review of the mailing lists of the... Um, 
X-rated videos and the highest level, uh, and they, what they were reviewing were the uh, postcodes that they were sent to okay. and the highest level of X-rated videos went to John Howard's postcode. <laughs> what, it, it was wonderful. Benelong, the Cedar Benelong. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Oh, and it was just wonderful. I just thought it was a perfect strategy to start off with because, yeah. you know, the, the availability of X-rated, to make it only a Canberra-based thing and to make it dirty and under the counter yeah. and... You it's know, not, actually not accurate, encouraged yeah. people to be secretive about their behaviour, which is what the criminalisation of anything does. Mm. When people have to be secretive about their behaviour, they lie about yeah, it. Yeah, you have to hide it. You That's to, right. Yeah. It's, we always, I keep saying every week, don't ask the question if you don't want the honest answer. Mm. Yeah, if you don't know the answer. In fact, lawyers say that all the time. You never oh. ask somebody on the stand a question unless you know the answer in the first place. Mm. Never. Anyway, um, the, yeah, you were going on. Was this, it's about making sure they don't got... Were you still doing that or had you finished that bit? Uh, so on to the next page, is it? Oh. Yeah, in that case that must be up to me now. So current drug law is killing innocent people and causing untold other harm, wasting billions of taxpayers' dollars, fueling organised crimes and squandering scarce health and law enforcement resources. And the members of the Victorian Parliament know it, Ms Patton said. That's not an assertion. It's a fact proven by domestic and international experience. And the evidence is overwhelming. Absolutely. And has been for, for a long many time. years. Yeah. That's yep. what's so frustrating, Marion. Is it is. And why people can't come out and say it honestly. You know, why Fiona comes out and says it and, you know, has to defend it mm. by saying this is not speculation. It's a fact. Yeah. It's true. Yep. And we've heard it, you know, privately, quietly on the side from many people or after they've left their, their seats, their public positions. Okay, failure to make this change would be willfully ignorant to the point of negligent to the point of negligent because so many lives depend on it and the quality of life of so many people and communities and families can so readily be improved through harm reduction. Ms Patton said compelling evidence backed by bodies including the World Health Organisation, the United Nations, the Global Commission on Drug Policy and the Australasian, Australasian College of Physicians had shown the decades-old war on drugs to be one of the most disastrous public policy failures in modern history. Well said. Hear, hear. Since entering Parliament in 2014, Ms Patton has been instrumental in the introduction of significant social reforms, including drug injection rooms. She has also called on the state government to introduce more of the injection rooms in, um, across Melbourne in an effort to curb deaths and reduce amb ambulance call-outs, call which are very expensive. In August, the parliamentary inquiry called on the Victorian government to investigate the impact of legalising cannabis for recreational use. It was one of 17 recommendations from the inquiry into the use of cannabis in Victoria by the Legislative Council's Legal and Social Issues Committee, chaired by Ms Patton. 
It also recommended a view of the existing drug diversion program eligibility and called for the program to be expanded, particularly in rural and regional areas. I think the criteria for drug diversion needs to be thought through very, very carefully. I think um, they need to think about it again, rethink it completely. Yeah. And it needs to be focused on actually helping people. Indeed. Um, rather, yeah, rather than just a simple diversion to treatment, to rehabilitation, because that's not always the answer that people are looking for at that time. No, I actually think the more holistic and big picture uh, approach that's taken, the more likely you are to have successful results. You and know. Uh, this article just finishes up with the government is due to respond to the legal and social issues report, committee report this month. I'd really like to see the we'll keep uh, you report, of, wouldn't it? Yeah, yes. of, we'll keep you apprised of what they are saying and what we get back from them. But keep keep going, Fiona. She's, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. She's been a very effective um, advocate. advocate and yep. member of parliament. Yeah. She's been very, very constructive in her um, in the in the issues that she's taken up yeah. and promoted. Yep. Sometimes championed alone. Yeah. Um, and sometimes in collaboration. Not always winning, but you don't always win in no. politics, you know. No. And I think you it's know she's, Fiona has done particularly well in that. I really have to applaud her for her uh, all her efforts. And I think um, we, you know, lost a good fighter when we, you know, sent her down to Victoria yeah. or obliged her to go to Victoria. It was their win, their benefit. It was yeah. their win and our loss. And yes. I'll have to look into um, the details of the reforms on the uh, sex worker um, yes, yes. Uh, situation because that yes. sounds very exciting. It does sound good, yes. And, so and the decriminalisation, because there was some, good, you know, the arguments on... Uh, the criminalising of sex work oh. was a real problem and the difference between criminalising, decriminalising and legalising mm. became, become such matters of fine lines, yes. Jeffrey. that, yep. you know, you, when you legalise something, you make something else illegal. Mm. And inevitably there were problems. And, I mean, if Julie has come out, Julie Bates, who was from the Australian... Um, the, one of the inaugural um, sex worker groups, sex worker that, uh, groups advocate, the Australian so, uh, Prostitutes Collective, yeah. APC. Um, and, in fact, it was Victoria and the Victorian Prostitutes Collective that actually started off the advocacy and I the remember. discussions with police yes. about legalisation and decriminalisation of sex work and what kind of a mess it would make of the way that police were operating and the way that women in particular, but men as well, yeah. who were in the sex work industry had to behave and what they were doing about illicit uh, sex workers being brought to Australia from Thailand. Oh, and from some shocking. Some of the Asian countries yeah. and who just had their passports confiscated yeah. um, and when they ceased to become of use, the passports were handed into the immigration department. And they got deported. And they or? were deported yeah. as being illegal aliens. Yeah, it was really sex trafficking. It, oh, it was, yeah, it was just, yeah. Shameful. It was yeah. dreadful. Human trafficking. Yeah, yeah, it was just 
shocking. Yeah. I mean, this is the overall point about that and the issue we talk about every week is it's fundamentally an issue of human rights. That's I right. Think. And, yeah, we go back to the whole issue of input and the whole human rights. The women that were coming in from Asia in particular who probably had no English, if any, mm. were coming often from the country areas of places like Thailand. Yeah. No English, no understanding of their rights total fear of police yeah. and any official exposure yeah. um, with good reason yeah, sure. um, and that was being taken advantage of by the people. I remember when Julie and I were coming back from Holland, we were on a plane and there were about a dozen women with thongs on and sarongs and tie tops on um, who had no luggage whatsoever wow. and they were clearly at they um, under the control, control. Yeah. of the particular man yeah. who brought with them, who kept them together yeah. when they came down through, had no, didn't pick up any luggage. Wow! When, uh, when we got off the plane, it was a really frightening, you know, proposition. And you know, Julie and I were talking about it and just thinking, well, you know, <laughs> there's an example here. We've got right in front of our faces. It's what really we scary. See as, yeah, yeah, human trafficking. Yeah, totally yeah. exploited. Mm. Vulnerable, and they were all frightened. They've never been on a plane before. You can mm. just imagine where are we going? What you know? What's going to happen to us? Yeah. And in fact, they probably very rarely saw the light of day once they got to Australia, anyway, because they probably worked at night. And I mean, it was just yeah. horrendous. But you, we, again, we go back to the whole point of asking questions that we don't want to know the real real answers to and drugs are in that same yeah. you know drugs sex drugs and rock and roll yeah drugs sex <laughs> drugs and rock and roll drugs twice <laughs> because that's our issue yeah but we get things like you know how do we ask these questions and keep them you know yeah. Yeah. get the re get the discussion going and keep it going without it being simply a one-line answer like Ted Sizilja, yeah? yeah, Ted yeah. Sizilja saying, you know, it's just not one of, it's just not an issue. Yeah, yeah. There's no such thing as um, casual use or what, recreational use. Well, so many one-liners just say no. Just say drugs no. Are bad, and it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Drugs. It's not a discussion. It doesn't create discussion. No. It prevents discussion. Yeah. And what we want is for discussion to be enhanced, for more people to be talking about it in productive ways. I would love to, I keep saying this every week, I would love to hear a rational reason for people to say why, why are people using drugs, yeah? Why are we not talking about why people use drugs? Mm. And what are the answers to that? And why do you oppose the availability of drugs for people? Why do you think they're using them? I'd love to hear some kind of rational debate along those lines. Well, you're throwing COVID and the oh. concerns and anxieties and stresses of that. You know, we know drinking levels have increased. I mean... Um, Monumentally, yeah. Why, why would be, should we be surprised that people are trying to self-medicate to cope with very difficult troubling, anxious, uncertain times. Indeed. Know. And staying alive and staying intoxicated, you know, were going hand in hand in a time where people were lonely and isolated by themselves without anyone to talk to. Yeah. And if they had anyone to talk to, it was a member of the family and that 
member of the family was not necessarily somebody that they would want to speak their mind to. Or be able to be candid with. or Be able to be candid with, yes, yeah. because obviously whatever had been happening within that group, within that family group, within that, you know, domestic group, um, was going to be maintained. Yeah. Particularly in a time of COVID, and you know, Canberra's been like that for a long time. Mm. What happens in your home stays in your home. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, it's a was a it's a really strange place, Canberra. Quite intellectual. <laughs> no, I, I look, I love it dearly. You know, I have for a long time. It's a great place to bring up kids. There are lots of good things about it. Yeah. There are great. Good thinkers in Canberra. People think about issues That's in Canberra, a plus, but yeah. we don't discuss them mm-hmm. the way we should. We get people who are prepared to stand up and do a one-line slag at, off at you know, with no background, no reality, yeah. no no um, no supporting of their idea, just a one-liner. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, we've got some good thinkers and people that ought to be. Brought in and on the discussion and get mm. people to discuss things publicly. And I'd yeah, love to see that report too that from that Fiona's uh, on that social. What was it? The social and uh, social and something or other committee. Um, social well. issue, legal and social issues committee. Yeah, yeah yep. the report is due later this month, so it'd be we'll interesting definitely to see keep what an happens eye on with that. that. Yeah. Well, all right, let's go to a song and then we'll uh, finish up this week's show. This is uh, I've actually heard this, but it's the Velvet Underground with a live version of uh, Sweet Jane. So wow. um, okay. we'll see we'll see what they come up with. Yeah. Interesting. That was interesting. Yeah, I was thinking that might have been about Mary Jane, but actually. Meaning marijuana, but in fact, it sounds like it was really about a woman. About a called woman. Jane. <laughs> yeah, called Jane. Anyway, the next article uh, <clears throat> that we go on to is um, as we tend to do a bit about Canada. Um, we're following up a little bit. As people who use drugs, we are the safer supply experts, not physicians. This is by Phoenix Beck McGreevy and Andre Selinski from filter.org, filtermag.org, February the 14th, uh, 2022. Safer supply saves lives. It's that simple. People who use and sell drugs have long known this, and academic research is catching up too, demonstrating that safer supplies reduces mortality rates and improves quality of life. As people who use drugs, people PWUD, we denounce the unfounded critiques of safer supply by addiction medicine physicians like Vincent Lamb, medical director of Coderick's Medical Clinic in Toronto. We are the ones navigating the illicit drug supply daily. We are the experts. Arguments against safer supply are consistently inaccurate, pro-profit and rooted in fear and hate-based ideology. Well, there you go. Our lives are not a moral dilemma. Both medicalised and non-medicalised models of safer supply are part of the continuum of harm reduction. As non-medicalised models are not authorised in our current legal framework, much of this work falls on healthcare providers. They must weigh the life-saving benefits of safer supply against the potential professional inconveniences, like audits. 
In a uh, Globe and Mail op-ed, Lamb wrote that prescribing safer supply goes against the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. In fact, it's done according to the same processes by which providers routinely prescribe antidepressants, painkillers or medications for opioid use disorder, MOUD, taking informed, calculated risks, using their clinical expertise and consulting with their peers when needed. Detractors like Lamb claim their opposition has a moral basis. Indeed, some prescribers are concerned they risk moral injury by prescribing a medication they believe could cause harm such as overdose or be diverted into the illicit market where it could potentially harm others. Yeah, look, there's always going to be a pushback against the um, call, you know, the move towards the safer supply. Well, and I think the bottom line, Jeffrey, too, is that's the truth. It is a moral. There is a moral there basis. There is a moral for dilemma. It, but yeah. that is, it's just that moral basis is is good or bad. Mm. That's the question. Yeah. There's no middle ground. No. Black or white, middle, good or bad. Yeah. Black or white doesn't really work in these complex no, issues. No, no, no. It's a continuum, as they say. But those who prescribe safer supply are often far more concerned that they risk moral injury by not prescribing a medication that could reduce overdose by helping a patient avoid the contaminated drug supply. And they know that diversion, while they must take precautions to prevent it, is shown to be an overall benefit to public health rather than a harm. The harms from not prescribing safer supply are much more severe. Indeed. At least 24,626 people on land occupied by Canada died of overdose between January 2016 and June 2021. And then there are those who've experienced physical, emotional and social harms coming from a non-fatal overdose. There's the tremendous weight of grief that people are forced to carry. Mm. The drug war has a stranglehold over our lives. Not expanding safer supply means everyone will continue to suffer from the harms of the contaminated illicit supply. Harms created by the government and per per perpetuated by law enforcement and, of course, the healthcare system. Um, stigma, judgment ongoing. Criminalisation is a constant threat. Infantilisation and dehumanisation permeate clinical settings. And none of this is necessary. Drug use can be safely managed. To push, essentially force, people who use drugs to use the poison street supply is simply outrageous. Methadone has had a monopoly on drug treatment for decades, something that many uh, methadone patients understand to be a primary obstacle to innovations in their care. Barriers to um, accessing clinics include suboptimal dosages, police surveillance, travel and transportation, long wait lists and also structural racism. Most of these methadone, quote, juice bars once offered at least services like voluntary counselling, voluntary counselling. Yet even the methadone giant Ontario Addiction Treatment Service Centres has cut back its services substantially. Safer supply programs, however, are embedded into wraparound primary care and social services. Good idea. We need to recognise the limitations of the MOUD, including the current prescribing thresholds offered at select federally funded programs, just can't match the potency of the illicit drug supply. MOUD patients uh, will supplement with that supply when their medications don't meet their needs. Safer Supply recognises that. The current illicit supply is unpredictable and deadly and the only way to keep people alive is to answer calls for a regulated alternative. Regulatory colleges need to support 
prescribing guidelines developed in collaboration with people who use drugs and support providers who offer safer supply rather than auditing them. Public officials and addiction medicine, medicine physicians must acknowledge the successes already employed by champions of safer supply and stop deterring other prescribers from offering this federally endorsed life-saving intervention. We must also implement non-medicalised models. Our government needs to address ongoing drug policy failures and take immediate action. Fair Price Pharma could already be supplying people who use drugs with regulated diacetyl morphine if British Columbia's provincial government provided funding. One of the problems, of course, with that diacetyl morphine is its um, half-life yeah. is much shorter, shorter than methadone. Than, uh, methadone. Yep. Uh, we must also implement non-medicalised models. The Drug User Liberation Front, DULF, could expand the provision of labelled tested drugs directly to the community if the federal government issued the exemption that the Drug User Liberation Front has requested. Our communities need radical investments in the social determinants of health, including housing, health care, guaranteed basic income, education and employment. With these needs met, People who use drugs can rebuild the esteem that has for so many years been beaten down by the stigma we face at every turn. We need to end restrictive criminal record checks that prevent employment and educational opportunities simply because of someone's drug use. We need people who use drugs to lead and operate programs centred at harm reduction and compassion. Expanded safer supply, decriminalisation, legalisation and regulation of all drugs are the only way forward. The only way to save lives. Save lives. We need to act now. Yeah, look, I think that's a really important um, article. Oh, absolutely. It, it lists a number of co-authors, which I don't think we probably need to, to go into. But the, yeah, the, the five, member, five co-authors are all members of the Canadian Association of People Who Use Drugs, or CAPUD, and settlers, uh, settlers on unceded Indigenous lands. Which is important. But and, and well, indeed, you know, the Indigenous population is as much, if not more, in fact... Um, affected by... Affected by the prohibition yeah. and the illicit drugs. And I wonder to what extent they're counted, you know, in the the, the overdose deaths and, you know, how if they're set aside, the audits, yep. what the audits mean. I'm sure there's Jeffrey, problems there. Yeah. yeah. But, look, um, we're keeping an eye on what's happening in Canada. The safer supply um, argument has a lot of merit, I think, you know. Like, it is a contaminated poison supply in a black market. You don't know the quality. You don't know what it's adulterated with. You, you're taking chances. You know? And uh, there's too much. And, and that's a huge problem. So we're just about to finish. I'll just give you that Phoenix, um, Beck McGreevy and Andre Selinsky. Phoenix is a queer agenda settler and lifelong harm reductionist with lived experience of drug use. She's dedicated to improving the lives of people who use drugs and all marginalised and oppressed communities. Andre is an editor at the Drug Hub and a member of the harm reduction community with a passion for environmental and social justice. He holds undergraduate and master's degrees in environmental studies from York University. University with specialisation in urban planning, which really interesting backgrounds from both of them. You Absolutely. know, quite diverse. Yeah. And yet they've come together with the same point of view. Yeah. The, particularly the idea of coming from an urban planning background too, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, but most important that we have a look and keep an eye on what's happening in Canada because it has so much to teach us. Yeah, and a lot in common culturally. And we have a lot in... Yeah, culturally we have so much in common, except that they seem to have a louder and more... uh, uh, more widely promoted, if you like, um, peer community. Mm. Uh, they have a, um, a greater understanding from the federal government um, and a more expansive availability of harm reduction or, you know, treatment programs using drugs that more power are, to them. Yeah, yep. and are, they're really useful and well worth keeping an eye on. We will keep you up to date. Uh, that's it for this week's show. Take care, yeah. everyone. Yeah, we, love, we love you and thank you very much for listening in. And welcome back, Jeffrey. It's so good to have you back here. Good I'm to be back. I'm glad you had a lovely holiday. Thank you, Mass. We'll leave you with the theme song, uh, The Stranglers. And we Golden love you. Brown, and we shall return next week. Take Bye. care, everyone. Take Bye care. For now.